Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. In the story of Mary and Joseph before the birth of Jesus, the innkeeper remains unnamed, even though we so often focus on the detail of how there was no room for them in the inn. Yet, there is generosity in this unnamed character. After all, they went out of their way to find some room for them. This unnamed character surely didn't have a home big enough for several extra families to also stay with them. This was an act of generosity and kindness. Where are we living into generosity and kindness like this? Hopefully we give in response to God's great gift to us in Jesus. Together, let us reflect. Where are we making space for God in our lives? What are simple ways we can make room for those in need by sharing what we have? In this week's message of the week, we hear about generosity. Pastor Bryce Blank shares from Luke 2, the story of Mary and Joseph's travel and lodging. They were unable to find room, but because of the generosity of the innkeeper, they found a place for our Savior to be born. How can we be generous in the same way? And what does a life of generosity look like? Here is the First Church Message of the Week. This morning, we are continuing to follow uh, and look at the Christmas story, as we have traditionally heard it, as we have maybe heard it uh, many, many different times, but from a lens of what are the simple truths that we can learn from this story that we might not have seen before. And so today we're going to look at a part of the Christmas story from the account of Luke, and we're going to look at the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. So I invite you to follow along with me on the screens as we read that section of the story together. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. So already this morning, you've heard two accounts of the same story. You might have already picked up on a few different things, and I hope to lift up a few others this morning as well. But first, I want to tell you a a story about my life. So I was uh, a a senior in high school, and I was preparing to attend Dakota Wesleyan University. And so I was invited to this cool event called Scholarship Days, where seniors who had already accepted the invitation to attend Dakota Wesleyan came together and uh, interviewed and competed for scholarships. And these scholarships ranged anywhere from a full ride, all tuition paid, to even half of your tuition paid, which is still a lot of money and a really great thing to try and go for. And so my parents and I, we went to Mitchell, and uh, I was all ready for my day. I, I, you know, I actually combed my hair that day, and I, I put on a nice suit. I was looking good. I was feeling good, really confident. And the, the day kind of was full of a lot of different things. It, we, we heard from speakers. We got campus tours. We had a nice, fancy meal. 
But the culmination of this was when all of those who were uh, competing for a scholarship would go into a room, depending on what scholarship you applied for, to be interviewed to see if you would get that scholarship. And let me point out and take a break to say that there were a lot of different scholarships being offered. I mentioned a lot of different ranges in terms of money that was uh, being given if you got those scholarships, but also different focuses for, for different scholarships. And some of them you could you had to meet a certain ACT requirement or you had to have a certain GPA to be able to apply for. And when I was looking at this big list of scholarships, I, of course, did what any responsible, realistic senior would do. I looked at which one had the most money to give, and that's the one I applied for. Didn't look at what the requirements were, didn't look at what it was about, what even the name was. I just saw the dollar amount, and that was what I was going for, because who wouldn't try to go for a full-ride scholarship, right? So anyway, it's the point of the scholarship day where I, we're about to go into the interview room. And so I'm sitting there uh, outside of that room. I'm feeling confident. I've been confident all day. I kind of have that you know, adolescent uh, confidence where you feel like you're untouchable, where you can't, you can't fail, where the world better look out because you're going to do all these amazing things, right? That kind of confidence. So they, they call my name. I go into the doors. I greet the hands of those who are interviewing me. I sit down in this big office. At this point, I'm kind of intimidated. You know, when you sit down in like a big chair in a big room, you feel kind of small. I kind of got a little uneasy at that point, but still I brushed it aside. I was like, no, I got this. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm going to hit it out of the park. And so I, they begin to ask me questions. And the first couple, pretty easy, you know, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? You know, tell us about the activities you're involved in. We can all talk about ourselves. So that, those are pretty easy. And I was feeling, wow, this is all the interview has. I, I am going to get this scholarship. And then they asked the question, how do you intend to live out the ideals that George McGovern strived for? To which I said, who's George McGovern? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they said, well, you know, George McGovern, the guy that the scholarship you're applied for is named after. He, you know, presidential candidate in 72, man who is known for striving and being an advocate for against world hunger all around the world. You know, that guy. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I learned more from the interviewers than they learned from me following that point. The questions, they only got harder and my answers became more bogus and completely more made up. <laughs> yeah, that was not at all what I had expected. And that interview went in no way the way I had planned it to go. Have you ever felt like that? Where you were in a situation that was not at all what you expected it to be? Maybe, like me, you misjudged what you were walking into, like I did with my scholarship interview. Maybe, like me, you've maybe misjudged the dress code uh, for an event a time or two, like the time I interviewed for an internship. Clearly, interviews were not my strong suit, by the way. When I, I interviewed for a scholar, I mean, sorry, an internship, and I showed up in a nice suit and everyone else was wearing, you know, shorts and t-shirts. Maybe you're like me. You thought you were ready for this test. You were ready for this exam. And then you got in there and realized, nope, not prepared. Rest in peace, my physics grade. Maybe you've been in a situation where you knew, or you thought you knew, 
how much something was going to cost. And then you go and look at the price tag and you're blown away by it not being anywhere close. Again, that was me as a kid trying to buy my mom a diamond gold necklace for $10. Wasn't going to work. Have you ever been faced with a task, maybe, that you didn't want to do, assuming it would be super hard or take too much of your time, and then when you actually got into it, you realized, you know, this wasn't actually that bad, not what I expected it to be. Or maybe you've, asked, you've been asked to uh, be a part of something, a team or a committee or a project, and you're kind of like, I don't really think this is for me. But when you got into it, maybe you realized that, wow, this was not at all what I thought it would be. I've actually enjoyed this. I'm getting a lot of joy from this. Maybe you think about your life and you realize it has not been what I imagined it to be when I was younger. Or maybe I'm not at the place I thought I would be at this point in my life. As human beings, we like to be in control. We like to know how things are going to go, both for the short-term future and for the long-term future. But with all that life throws at us, we often find ourselves with the unexpected. And unfortunately, the unexpected for us is usually viewed with a sense of negativity or panic. Like, if we haven't followed the Boy Scout model, be prepared, we're going to look lost. We're going to feel like failures. And therefore, I think we, we all try to, we all strive to avoid those awkward moments, those feelings of not being prepared when faced with the unexpected in life. We try everything we can to avoid the unexpected. Well, like us, the characters in the Christmas story faced the unexpected. We read, as, as Sandy shared to with us as we read together on the screens, that Mary and Joseph were kind of scrambling to get to Joseph's hometown, to find a place to stay, to get registered, because Caesar has asked them to be. And we, hear this, we read this whole story, and I want to focus really only on, on one verse that we read today, that last verse, verse 7, which said to us, She gave birth to her firstborn child, she being Mary, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Mary and Joseph, hoping for a place to stay, were met with the unexpected when they found out there wasn't any room for them in the guest room. Guest room, in this particular translation, is interesting, I think, because when we look at other translations of this same verse, the same word or story, we often... Here, and we heard it in, in Sandy's ver children's version, translated as in. There was no place for them in the inn. And I don't know about you, but I see guest room and inn as two really different lodging situations. A guest room, right, might be an extra room in someone's house, an extra place to stay uh, outside of the normal living quarters. And an inn is probably going to be somewhere like a hotel where it has plenty, a lot of rooms to stay, multiple guests can stay there. You know, we might even take that a little further and think about a continental breakfast, room service, little soaps, right? <laughs> but either way, they're two very distinctive, different lodging situations. And when we look at other translations, we look at the New Living Translation, for instance, we see that it just says there was no lodging available for them. Didn't even define what that lodging was that they weren't having access to. 
And the message translation uses the word hostel, which we kind of think about as a inexpensive place where travelers or students studying abroad can stay for a limited amount of time. Whatever phrase or word was used to describe where Mary and Joseph were intending to and ended up staying, scholars also note that whatever this guest room was, is probably not what we thought or what we think of when we think of, of an inn or, or any of those other words I mentioned. Likely, the place that Mary and Joseph ended up staying is in the lower level of what was traditionally an Israelite house during that time. So normally how it was set up would be that it's kind of a two-story house. And on the top level, it was the living quarters. It's where you would eat your meals. It's where you would stay and spend most of your time. And in the lower level was actually kind of this uh, cobbled stoned floor with some hay on it that animals would get to stay in and and they would be safe from the outside elements. Now, on one hand, this probably meant that the house was very stinky, uh, but it also was a very cheap, a very inexpensive way to have heat for your house because the heat of the animals would heat the rest of the house. And so when there was no room in the guest room for Mary and Joseph, most likely where they were actually staying, we sometimes think of like a stable outside or in the back, maybe like a barn type thing. It probably was in this lower level of a traditional house. And and the manger that the Jesus is placed in was probably more like the trough running down the middle of that for the animals to eat and drink off. So this story illustrates and reiterates for us, pointing us to God, that in an unexpected situation, God does work in our world. We might personally try to avoid the unexpected, right? But in those very moments of unexpectedness is when God uses us, is when God is at work. So on that unexpected night, surrounded by animals in the lower level of this house, God did a wonderful thing in the birth of Jesus. The savior of our world was born from a place that was otherwise designated for people besides them. However, I want to point out that none of that would have been possible without the generosity of this unnamed character in the story. That is the host. We sometimes think of the innkeeper or this innkeeper type figure, whoever this unnamed character was. None of that would have been possible without the simple generosity of them. Generosity that made it possible for baby Jesus to be born that night, someplace warm, someplace protected from the elements. And, and, and we kind of think about this too. There probably were people above Mary and Joseph. So someone was nearby if Mary had had complications with the birth. It actually was a relatively uh, not horrible place to stay and have this baby. And being generous, like this innkeeper type figure, is often I think we, we, we try to overcomplicate what it means to be generous. But it's really, it really is simple. If we give what we can, that's all that is required. Even if it means giving the last space we have available, this lower level, stinky place with animals to stay. 
We've all been in situations where we faced the unexpected. And we may have been unprepared. We may have been unable, excuse me, unable to adapt or to adjust to a new situation we found ourselves in. We may have needed help from others. In the unexpected, in those situations, that is where simple generosity is most effective. Generosity that isn't overthought. Generosity that simply sees a need in an unexpected situation and becomes a wonderful gift. No strings attached. So how are we living into that kind of simple generosity that the innkeeper type figure displayed to us? How are we leaving room to work in the unexpected moments in our lives? Or more importantly, more importantly, the lives of others. How can we share even little resources that we have so that God can put them to work? These are questions that are pretty important, especially in this season of preparation, in this season of, excuse me, Advent that we are in. Like training for a sporting event or practicing for a presentation that we might be giving, preparation, what we put in to prepare matters for God. The ways that we make ourselves ready to give of ourselves matters. Taking on the attitude that we are going to give of our resources without expecting anything in return, that's an act of preparation. Looking for people, looking for places, for situations that might benefit from a gift is an act of preparation. Staying nimble, staying ready to act in whatever unexpected situation life presents. Because of simple generosity, God used the space that was meant for others to house one of the greatest miracles. Maybe simple generosity means providing a place to stay for a night. Maybe simple generosity means sharing a meal with someone who is hungry. Maybe simple generosity means jumping in to offer help where that might have, where that might need to be helped. The other night we had many members of our youth group, our leaders who were sick and someone jumped in when they saw the need. Maybe simple generosity means taking a moment to reach out to a friend who might need support. Maybe it means offering a shoulder to cry on or just an ear to listen to someone who is going through a hard time. Maybe simple generosity looks like being patient with someone who is not patient with you. Generosity, that is, being generous, is simple. When we give to the unexpected that life throws our way, again, we all deal with the unexpected, whether we want to or not. When we give to the unexpected, God is at work. And if we let it, wonderful things can happen. So I want to go back to my story with my interview. When I interviewed for the scholarships, uh, scholarship day at Dakota Wesleyan, again, it didn't go well. I didn't answer all the questions like I probably should have. And you might anticipate that a sermon about simple generosity means that, well, they felt generous anyway, and I was given a scholarship. Not the case. However, 
<laughs> rightfully so. They gave that scholarship to somebody who deserved it, by the way. I'm not, I'm not uh, griping about that. that. That was definitely well-deserved for somebody else, not for me. But however, a simple act of generosity on the part of my scholarship day interviewers still ended up changing my life. Because as it turns out, during my freshman year at Dakota Wesleyan, many, many months later, I was attending a course. And at this point, I was currently undecided in my major. I was undeclared. I didn't have a major. And I was attending this course, and it was taught by one of my interviewers. So my interviewer, who knew the, one of the worst moments of my life, became my teacher. Thankfully, they didn't hold that against me. And I was talking with this professor after class one day, and I mentioned how I was undecided because that's one of the questions you get asked a lot. What's your major? And I told her I was undecided. I didn't want to commit to anything because I didn't know what I want to do with my life. We can all relate, I'm sure. And so this, this professor said, well, if you have some time, I have a, a test that I can give you that'll match your personality and your strengths and your passions with career fields that you might be successful in, that you might enjoy. And so this professor sat me down and gave me this test, it took like two and a half hours to do. And they, were sat, they sat there right there with me. They sat there and went through the results with me and we talked it all out. They gave of their time to me. And here I am today in ministry because ministry was one of the top things on that test. I would not have begun the journey down this road if not for my professor giving simply and giving generously of her time. I had no way to repay her. She's not getting anything out of this by me uh, taking this test, by going through this, uh, this process of discovering myself. She didn't get anything out of it, right? But she gave simply and generously in a way that changed my life. And because of her simple generosity, God has done wonderful things in my life. I've went down this journey of ministry and I am so thankful. And because of simple generosity in the most unexpected of places and unexpected ways, God can and does do amazing and wonderful things in your life as well. If we are willing to act with simple generosity, let us pray. Wonderful, amazing, and constant God, you work in our lives in so many ways of which we sometimes don't even notice. Help us today to be nimble, to be ready to act in the unexpected situations when we're faced with someone who is in need that we didn't realize, faced with a situation that we weren't ready for, but which you are already working in. In those moments, help us to live simply. Help us to act with simple generosity. Help us to follow you, your will, your way, and the love that Jesus showed to us on that Christmas night. In this we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.